My name is Angela. My name is Nicole. And welcome to the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Hello, Stitchers. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Ominous Stitch Podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Hey. How's everybody doing today? It's almost Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. My mom rock station has fully switched to Christmas music. Woo-hoo! So, you know, now we just get to blast Christmas music until, until we're home free. And I'm sure we'll be sick of it by the time December oh, but 24th. But it goes so fast. I, I guess. Oh. I, well, I mean, yes, it does. Because, yeah. you know, I... I'm not always a very good planner, and so a lot of things just kind of naturally occur. occur. (laughs) But I mean, we do have a lot of celebrations that happen in our family at the end of the year, so it does make everything go fast. So it's my my dad. Hey, Mike. His birthday is in a couple of days. So um, we have my father's birthday, and then we have my husband's birthday a few days after that. Then Thanksgiving, and then my anniversary. And then my so daughter's birthday and then Christmas. So ah. <laughs> that's what we have coming up over the next few weeks here. And yeah, so it's a lot. It's, I love it. <laughs> it's though. a lot. It'll go quick. Oh, man. But it does make it go fast. And it's just like, you know, as soon as I finish one thing, I'm, you know, launching on to the next one. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Christmas. And I'm, you know, like, oh, hardly shoot. ready you for wake that. wake up for it. <laughs> so... I know when the Christmas music starts playing on on my mom rock station, I'm like, whoop, time to get in gear. Let's go. (laughs) It's that time again. It's that time again. So, Nicole, let's do our stitches. What's got you in stitches today? Oh, gosh. Okay. I I have another old person tale. Uh oh. (laughs) So, uh, it's lunchtime. I'm working from home. Uh And my husband and I are like walking out the door. We're going to go get some lunch. And I look across the way from our street, there's a house that's empty. Okay. Yes. And people are working on it though. Okay. And so some random car is in the driveway and I'm like staring at it. I'm like, who's that? <laughs> and I think my brain just froze and I went to take a step. I've been in my house for almost 10 years now. Yeah. You think I know my house? No. I went to take a step <laughs> and I totally missed the step. Oh no. And I fell. I like crumpled oh. and I rolled on my ankle. Oh, I do that too. I've done that in my garage. So really? I don't have the excuse of living in my house for over 10 years. <laughs> We've been here for one year. Well, but see, then you there's, some, you're okay. There's a step and I've yeah. missed that step several times and rolled my ankle. I'm like, why? I know no. there's a step. Ouch. Yeah. Okay. We're getting old. Yeah, I think it's our I brains. That's it. yeah. So I'm like laying on the concrete, like in a ball <gasps> no. and I can't move. My ankle's oh, like Nicole. throbbing. Matt's just like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, go get me an ice pack. He's like, okay. <laughs> he brings me this dinky one. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't cold. It's not doing anything. So he gets the really big one. <laughs> I have to just sit there. I'm like, if you ever watched the family guy mm-hmm. and Peter falls and he's like, Ooh, and he's like laying like uh-huh. he's just rocking back and forth <laughs> for like five minutes that's how I felt so I totally rolled my ankle it took me the whole weekend to ice it and get better and oh, it's still no. like you can see it like Are you still swollen yes oh, my husband no. looks and he's like it's definitely swollen I'm like yeah, I know right I, I, <laughs> I heard, it heard it so bad <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, it's it's a little drawback, but thankfully I iced it enough and I, ele- you know, rice, right? Yes, I learned that in college. Yes. Like that was a big thing. With So, okay, at my college, it was really funny because everyone, you have to take PE in college. Our, <laughs> in college. In college. <laughs> our PE instructors were like in their 90s. No joke. Kidding they me. They were in their 90s. Why? Why are because they're old? I know, <laughs> but like, wouldn't you retire by then? Oh no. my gosh! Okay. And here's the um, annoying thing: uh-huh. is that they were so fit and had so much oh. energy. It was okay, crazy. I want to be that. Like we we were, you know, the kids. We'd come in, you know, we're in our twenties, and we'd be like, Ugh, dragging. Tired. We'd be like, come on, young people, wake up, let's go. <laughs> and then they're like running the track with us. We're gonna do two miles today. Wow. Run the track with us. Or like, we're going to do a, a mile swim and we jump in the pool, we swim. And I'm just like, I can't swim that long. <laughs> but yeah, insane. the coach and they're, they were in their 90s. That's they amazing. were insane. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I want to be like that. Well, I don't. I just, I, I just want to be able to like move yeah, when I'm 90. <laughs> I know me too. But I was like, okay, so welcome to California where everyone's fit. My yeah. gosh. And the, <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Me, you know, my Texas-ness coming from, you know, coming yeah. from Texas and everyone like, a lot of people, a lot of my friends, this uh-huh. was also in the 90s, a lot of my friends were like smokers and, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. drinking and yeah. eating fried we're, food. And, and we're around <laughs> musicians and that's all they do too is they smoke yeah. and they play and that's yeah, it. You yeah. Know? And then I moved to California and everybody's like healthy and yeah. they have these like really old coaches <laughs> that are just like, come on, young people, get into it. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well. You know, I'm on my recovery. Oh, so. good. I'm so glad you're recovering. Feel, I'm so sorry. But it's crazy. Thanks. But I was like, my brain farted. Like, it, where <laughs> like, did it go? For like, there's no step here. I can no, just I'm walk. Just, I'm on air. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Your brain, all of your brain power was taken up by who's across yes. the street. Yeah. And I never do that because my brain, I'm so like, I have a million things yes, going you do. on in my brain. I have to do things all, you know, I'm multitasking all yes. the time. Yes. Where did that happen? Like, where did that come from? It's just like, <laughs> but where did I'm it off. come from? <laughs> Why bother? Does it matter? Why must our silly pride ruin our chances? Sorry, that's from an opera I did a long time Good ago. Good job. Thank you. No idea. Anyway. Anyway. So there you go. I'm old. Oh, no. <laughs> it happens. Brain farts happen. Super brain fart. Yeah. To the Aww. point where you hurt yourself. I know. Don't, don't, don't hurt, don't yourself, hurt yourself again. But can I say you and Matt are so funny. When you hurt, e- when you hurt yourselves, you're both like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, like, what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> Brain fart. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, what's got you in stitches? Okay, so you guys, I did something I've never done before. Okay. Never done before. What? In my 46 years of life. 46 years. 46 years. What did you do? I colored my hair. You're insane. <laughs> I love it. No, no, no. Okay, don't get me wrong. Your hair is gorgeous, this color. But I was 13, I think, when I first dyed my hair. Oh, really? Yeah. So 46 years. <laughs> We're so years. the opposite on that. <laughs> I mean, I've done highlights before. I've had highlights in my hair, but I've never like done a full color in my hair. It looks so good. And thank you. I love it. And it's really funny because like I'm a natural blonde 
It's like a honey blonde. Yeah. I've, I've never thought of myself as a blonde. It's mm-hmm. almost like I surprise myself every time I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh yeah, blonde hair. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> My whole life I've been blonde, but I'm like, oh yeah, blonde hair. Nice. Um, except when I was born, I was a redhead when I was oh, a baby. Which most blonde people do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like so I was a redhead it. for a couple of years and then all the red fell out and it went blonde. And so it's been blonde ever since. And I do have some red in there. So it's always been a little strawberry. Aww. And I have played with highlights before where Uh I've done some strawberry highlights in it but I was like you know what I'm gonna go all out I went all out red I love it yeah thank you we'll have to take a picture we'll show you guys faded so much and it's only been a few weeks but But it looks perfect so much it looks like your natural natural, yeah she left a lot of my natural color so shout out to Debbie Macias she's awesome um but she left my natural color for highlights i love so that. i do have some blonde streaks like in the top Inside, yeah and then um she the way that she colored it she knows that my ends would take a lot of color mm-hmm. so she waited to the last second to to Put bring the color there. through there nice and we didn't take it all the way to my roots because it looks more natural if oh you yeah yeah, yeah. don't ever want to do that yeah i feel like that's like the old school way yeah <laughs> so who is your who is your muse Oh, okay. So Isla Fisher. <laughs> We've been watching a show called Wolf Like Me. Have you heard about this? No. Okay. So it's a show with her and Josh Gad. Oh. I think it's on, I want to say it's on Peacock, but I'm not sure what streaming That's service probably it's why. on. But I think it's on Peacock. Okay. And it's it's had a couple of seasons already, but they're in Australia and she's a werewolf I mean that's kind of like the whole thing she's a werewolf and but I was just like watching it and I love her hair color I was like I can do that that would look good on on my hair yes you did yeah so I did yeah we'll post a photo of Angela because she looks so awesome (laughs) I love it it feels like it's my natural color it does look like it I was born this yeah. way so <laughs> baby I was born this way but it only took 46 years <laughs> to go back yeah I love it thank you good Yay. job yeah and you have red too so solidarity sort of yeah but yours is still like leftover from it's like a pink red from my costume <laughs> <laughs> who were you for Halloween Nicole Pennywise. yeah you, you guys were saw my social the socials I, I put a lot I of made her post I was like put it on our yeah. social media <laughs> I loved it and everyone Yay. loved it. So, yeah. but yeah, it's just it's like, so a, it's like a pink, it's like a rose colored now. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's very pretty. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Huzzah for redheads. Huzzah. <laughs> okay. I have no idea what we're talking about today. Really? No. You just said, That's... watch this movie. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I try to get ideas on what the topic is based on the movie that we watched. But I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. I forgot. Don't. Well, you know. I know. I looked. I just looked. I just looked. She's looking. I'm excited. I'm very excited this week because I found some pretty cool things that I'm like never knew. And uh, I, I, I really enjoy this. And their movie ties in so well. So I'm so excited. You'll learn things you never knew, you never knew. Have you ever oh. heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon? I pulled that out of nowhere. I was like, what is that from? <laughs> oh, yeah. The Pocahontas. Disney movie that not many people watch. I, know, I love Pocahontas. It's a, the music's gorgeous. Yeah, it so. is. It's great. But yeah. Okay. But before we do that, we have Stitch Time. Yes, I'm excited. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Okay. Okay. Should we get stitching? Yes. Let's get stitching.
Okay, stitchers. So for this week's stitch, I tried something that I've never done before. Good for you. I, and you this did is great. Like, well, <laughs> don't look too closely <laughs> and don't look at the back of it. But I have a fix for that that I'm going to do that I, I didn't have time for. But I was, you know, inspired by the holiday music on the radio. It's the holiday season. Da, 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 da. And we all need to start doing holiday things. Yep. Thinking of gifts to give to people. Oh, I'm on that right yeah, now. I know you are. You're <laughs> s- but that's your love language. You're such that's a good true. gift giver. So I got I to gotta, I gotta make them all, though. Yeah, (laughs) we're running out of time. We're going to make it. So for this week's stitch, I found this Christmas coaster and it's a trivet. Well, I made the trivet. So there's two sizes. You can do the trivet size or you can do the coaster size. And I decided I'm going to do bigger so I can see it better because (laughs) I'm old and I need to be able to see what I'm doing. No. So I made the trivet size and this is on hooksbookswanderlust.com. Hooksbookswanderlust.com. And she has like 25 different free Christmas patterns that you can make. Wow. I got to go check it out. Yes. And what intrigued me about this one is that it has embroidery on it, which is something I've never done before. It's cross-stitch almost. Yeah, it's like cross-stitch. So it it was interesting and and I didn't do very well at it. But I think if I, you know... You know, just don't look too closely. <laughs> but what I loved, what the pattern says, it's a it's a snowflake that I embroidered on the tri- trivet. I love it. And what I love that she says in the pattern is she says, you know, no two snowflakes look alike. So it's okay. Have fun with it. And She's I'm like, right. Oh, okay. I love it. <laughs> but, you know, it was really fun to do. And it's a pretty simple thing to do as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it is quick. So what I did is I followed her instructions. I did use a smaller yarn than what she used. So um, my trivet isn't as big as what she did. Mine came up to be about six and a half by six and a half, but hers were nine by nine because she used a chunkier yarn. Very chunky. Okay. Yeah. She used like a five and I used just the four. four. Which that's standard. Yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 So if you want it to be bigger, obviously you're going to chain more to work it out to however big you want it to be. Right. But basically what this is, is it's just a bunch of single crochets. Which I can do. Yes, exactly (laughs) right. So to get this six and a half by six and a half using the four size four yarn Mm -hmm. and I used a five and a half um, crochet hook. Nice. So I did 22 chains and then in the second chain from the hook started my single crochets back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until I got to about it took about 25 rows to get to the square the big square the big square and then I did a border of single crochets all the way around and so I just chained one when I got to each corner Uh and then started the next row down to make the corner so that's what made my square nice and simple beautiful and then we start the embroidery so this is where things kind of went a little wonky but um you she has a pattern for it so you can see it's a grid pattern oh okay and basically uh you kind of start in the middle the well no you start in one side but you count you start with the big x in the center Mm -hmm. and then you do the cross um the cross x which is what i kind of messed up on it's not exactly uh you know 
straight, but that's okay. Yeah. No two snowflakes are alike. So exactly. my snowflake is kind of, I think it's pretty, it's kind of wonky. And then you just kind of build branches off of there and they, she does have a grid pattern for you to follow. And just like okay. embroidery, the back is, <laughs> don't look at the back. Don't look at the back. It's all kinds of crazy. But if you wanted to fix that, I would recommend just making another square and then crocheting it oh. into you the, can put it on the back of it. Yeah, you can you can make hide another it. square and yeah, and hide it and, <laughs> and crochet idea. it too, together. And it'll be thicker too. Then it will be a thicker trivet. That's yeah. a good idea. So that's what I would recommend doing. She doesn't say that on the pattern, but you know, I would do that. Just you to make could it almost do you can do this with a pillow cover too. You could. Just make it huge. Just make it huge. Oh, I Sky's the like limit that. on it. Yeah. That's a good idea. But yeah, so that's it. It's very simple. So again, it's hooksbookswanderlust.com. She does have a PDF version that you can purchase on her Etsy and nice. on uh, wait, um, Ravelry. Ravelry. Thank Without you. Ads. <laughs> I was going to say wave, Waverly. <laughs> that's not it. Ravelry. Close. Yes. So you can get it without ads and... Um, but you know, or you can use her free version and she has a whole bunch of really cute ideas that you can do for little Christmas gifts that take nice. virtually no time to do, but I've never done embroidery on it. It's fairly simple. See, um, you can do it. And, and so you can do that now fun. on your bag that you did. Recently. I can. See I that? can put that on the bag. You can find anything you want to embroider. Yay. I love that. So it's fun. That's it. That's our stitch time for Easy, today. I love it. Yeah. Yay holidays. Yay holidays. <laughs> it's the holiday season. Did I already sing that? Probably. Yes, we did. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. So now I am so excited to get into story time. Woo -woo. It's story time. I'm so excited about I'm this I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. What are we doing? Cursed objects. Yay! These are, <laughs> I mean, you can think about what you want on this and you can be skeptic or not, but there's some pretty cool stories behind some objects that seem pretty cursed. Yeah. Okay, but let's talk about curses or hexes or jinxes or tatari or the evil eye Ooh. now these are all basically expressed wishes of misfortune or adversity that could be attached to one or more persons a place or an object typically these are made effective by a supernatural or spiritual power and is summoned by some kind of spell or magic there is a way to revoke or remove the curse but often requires elaborate rituals or prayers angela Yes. Do you believe in curses? I believe in the power that, let's see, I guess maybe the power of suggestion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I believe that if someone believes that they are cursed, then they will draw that energy to themselves okay. and they will see only negative things happening around them. I, I know a few people that they're that way. <laughs> it's called pessimism. Oh no, everything is bad. <laughs> they exact got the Eeyore, Eeyore. Eeyore syndrome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, I don't know if I necessarily believe in the objects being cursed themselves and okay. having power like that. Okay. Um, I'm not opposed to that idea. So okay. yeah, we'll see. Maybe this week's episode will change your mind. Okay. We'll see. We'll see what you say. Okay. Um, but as I mentioned, there are different types of curses used in various cultures. So in Hindu culture, the sage or Rishi has the power to bless or curse. Those first examples are from various cultures. Jinxes are common in African-American hoodoo. 
evil eye is within the Middle Eastern and Mediterranean culture. And hexing stems from the German people, which includes the Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hex. Curses are even mentioned all over the Bible, where God curses the serpent and the curse and mark of Cain, the plagues of Egypt, etc., etc. Okay. So yeah. they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Okay. So you were talking about cursed objects and maybe not believing them, right? Well, we did talk about cursed situations and objects in previous episodes. You yes, might not think of it as a cursed object at that point, but remember the filming of Poltergeist where they used real human remains? Yes. So remember, it's believed that the filming actors and actresses were cursed when they disrespected the dead. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like a lot of misfortune followed them, right? Yes. Yes. And when you did your report on spooky dolls, don't forget <laughs> Annabelle, right? Yes. Who some believe was possessed, but I think that still falls in line with a cursed, cursed object. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, whether you believe in curses or not, we're going to go through some examples of real life, real life objects that will make you ponder if curses actually exist or just a very, very, very terrible case of bad luck. Uh-oh. All right. The first one is the Carlisle Cursing Stone. I'm going to start way at the beginning with this tale because it's rather fascinating, even if there isn't truly a curse upon Carlisle, England. So we go back to the 16th century when tension ran high on the border between Scotland and England due to ravaged wars, creating the people in these areas to pillage and steal to live. These people were called border reavers, and there was little to no law to stop them. Ooh. Right? They didn't hold the monarch very high, nor religious people. So men who were placed in these areas often became corrupted themselves since they would face no repercussions. And the raids they committed were planned like military operations and it could involve gangs of armed men and last for days. They believed if they did not do this, they would go hungry. Uh-oh. It's like it's like a, a, a Robin Hood on steroids almost. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. <laughs> By 1525, the government and church came to a conclusion. The Archbishop of Glasgow, Gavin Gum Dunbar, created the Monition of Cursing, the longest written curse ever. All priests were required to read aloud to every pulpit throughout the Scottish border to try and stop the thieving, murder, rape, and godless reaver families of the region. The curse was 1,069 words. I'm not going to read it. 1,069 words? 1,069 That words. is a very wordy Long curse. curse. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to read everything, but I'm going to do part of it. And this was translated to English because this was back then, right? I denounce, proclaims, and declares all and sundry the committers of the set of innocent murders, slaughters, burning, inheritances, robbery, thefts, and spoilings openly upon daylight and under silence of night, as well as within temporal lands as church lands, together with their part takers, assisters, suppliers, knowingly and of their persons, the goods snatched and stolen by them, art or part thereof, and their counselors and defenders of their evil deeds generally cursed, waking, <laughs> aggravated, and re-aggravated with the great cursing. I curse their head and all the hairs on their head. I curse their face, their eyes, their mouth, their nose, their tongue, their teeth, their skull, their shoulders, their breasts, their heart, their stomach, their back, <laughs> their womb, their arms, their legs, their hands, their feet, and every part of their body from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. 
before and behind, within and without. I curse them going, and I curse them writing. I curse them standing, and I curse them sitting. It's like a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. I, curse <laughs> I curse them eating. I curse them drinking. I curse them walking. I curse them sleeping. I curse them rising. I curse them lying. I curse them at home. I curse them from home. I curse them within the house. I curse them without the house. I curse their wives, their children, and their servants who participate with them in their deeds. Okay, this is one angry person. And my <laughs> gosh, is that insanely thorough? It's so, and this is only part of it. Oh my God. It goes on and on. And I on. don't understand what else they have left to cover. <laughs> I think everything, every single part of their body <laughs> and anybody that has ever met them or yes. looked at them or everybody yeah anything. everything is cursed yeah oh my god that's a very more like I but said it's so funny that it is like a doctor <laughs> Seuss. I curse them going I, I curse, curse them, them coming <laughs> I curse them sleeping <laughs> yeah I curse them awake yep well it did little though to control the reavers it was only until James the sixth of Scotland the first of England king of England do you remember him from the witches episode uh-huh he was the one that like like ravaged that small town because yes, he thought they were all witches yeah he's evil yeah he's evil but now he's the king of england when huzzah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now what uh the order finally came to the region he was the one who controlled it so he issued a proclamation against all rebels and disorderly persons the borders were renamed the middle shires and established a commission in 1605 to bring law and order to the region that first year, he executed 79 individuals. <gasps> yep, he's good at that. He's so bloody. <laughs> he is. With the following years, many more faced hanging. But finally, in the 1620s, peace arrived in the borders. So he just had to come in and just kill everybody. That's, that's how that works. Kill everybody so there'll be peace. Because yeah. there's nobody left to nobody, fight. Yep, yeah. yep exactly. <laughs> it's the Thanos theory. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, too. Now, then in 2001, the city council of Carlisle, England, right below the border of Scotland, Scotland, by the way, they wanted to do something special for the millennium celebrations. So they approached Gordon Young, a local artist and descendant of the Reaver, to carve 383 words of Archbishop Dunbar's curse onto a large 7.5 ton <laughs> granite boulder. That's so funny funny it's so it's like, weird right it's uh, yeah it's so weird but it's like a very medieval yes. british kind of thing to do exactly that's so funny the artwork was produced by andy altman they did as they asked it was asked of them and it sits at the end of an 80 meter path in an underpass between carlisle castle and the tully house museum that is massive it's, it's really cool, though. It's cool, but really but big, and right? it's a curse, and it's really, really big. So it's not cool that it's a curse, exactly. But it's yeah. As soon as the art installation was finished and placed, Carlisle seemed to face misfortune after misfortune. Uh oh. That same exact year that it was erected, the outbreak of foot and mouth disease <gasps> took hold across the United Kingdom, but ravaged Carlisle and the border of, of Scotland. So I took a map. I'll put this on socials. But if you see how many outbreak right there, you see that. Red? Oh, yeah. That's the border. <gasps> That's where Carlisle is. That's crazy. So just don't write a curse and put it in stone and put it right in the middle of your town. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. 
So the cursed stone is said to bl- be uh, to blame for the brutal murder of 10-month-old Hassan Martin no. in Carlisle's Scotch Street Greg's Bakery in 2003 and wounding the boy's mother and grandmother. No. Yeah, apparently he was depressed, the father, and angry because he was separated from the boy's mother, Lorna Martin, and failed to gain access to his son. So they were like, that little boy died because of that rock. They're, they're, no, the yeah. little boy died because the, the dad. The dad. Then they oh, attributed sad. the curse to the most devastating flood Carlisle had seen since 1822. January 7th of 2005, rainfall was so severe that the River Eden flooded. It was so bad that the city lost electrical power by lunch. It was reported that three people died and many homes and businesses were flooded. Schools had to close and all of Carlisle's buses were damaged. Oh, wow. That's a huge natural disaster. But like since 1822, like it came as soon as this this cursed stone was erected. That's why they're saying it's like everything after it's just been like is because of the stone because of the stone. The curse was also blamed for many factories shutting down in Carlisle. I don't know that that much. Why do they still have the stone? I know. (laughs) I'll go into that. (laughs) Because they need a scapegoat. Is that why? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. But then the the curse was blamed for the Carlisle United soccer team to drop down a league. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's that's a better use for the curse. That's funny. That's a little bit. That's very funny. I curse the ground that you play soccer (laughs) on. The soccer pitch. Yeah. Or football, what they call So local counselor Jim Toodle was the one to speak up first to say that the stone brought back the curse set forth by Archbishop Dunbar centuries ago. He suggested that the cursing stone be removed or destroyed, but the suggestion was passed by city councilors. What's crazy is Toodle in 2011 died suddenly from what doctors believe a cardiac arrest while receiving kidney dialysis. It was the curse. Exactly. That's what they're saying. It's like, isn't that weird and ominous that like he's the only one saying to remove the the rock and now he's the one who died? Well, I don't think he he was sick, but uh, that's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but isn't it ironic? It's ironic. So the latest article I could find about the stone was March 2023. And it seems like the stone is still in its location in Carlisle. That's so weird. <laughs> but why would you do that, though? I don't know. <laughs> it's weird that they decided to erect a curse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like that uh, uh, put the curse in the stone. It seems like it was just a big, like, people were drunk one night and like, wouldn't it be funny if we... <laughs> <laughs> They're all at a pub. Yeah. <laughs> Of all things to memorialize, a why curse. the curse? No idea. And why did no one think that it would... It was a bad idea. Yeah. No. Bring bad omens and bad juju to their town. Because they thought they were invincible? I have no idea. <laughs> I just think it's a very... I think it's cool in a way. Like, oh, that's a cool... Like, makes people think and remember your past. But why do a curse? Yeah. <laughs> but anything else. Yeah. I don't know. All right, uh, we're gonna move on. People of Carlisle, you brought this along. <laughs> brought, brought this on yourselves, right? It's kinda... Don't don't do that. Next, the curse of little bastard. <laughs> I don't this know is... why that's funny to me, but it's funny. <laughs> this is I, this is actually more well known, but I, I didn't know the history, which is kind of neat. I don't know this curse, so okay. okay. In 1953, Porsche released the brand new. Porsche 550 Spider, a highly sought after race car that was way ahead of its time in its features and speed. 
Porsche manufactured them only between 1953 and 1956, creating only 90 550 spiders. Yeah. It even gave Porsche its first racing victory in a major racing competition in Targa Florio. That's Italy. Now, naturally, when this car was released, actor and racing driver James Dean had to get his hands on one. Mm -hmm. He was a great actor, but his greater love and passion was racing. In fact, the majority of his earnings from acting went into his race cars. Time out. This picture didn't show up. Hold on. I want to put it over here for you so you can see it. There we go. Time in. Okay. On September 21st, he was able to obtain a silver one in which he immediately handed it over to painter and pinstriper Gene, oh, sorry, pinstriper Dean Jeffries to customize. He had him paint one, uh, 130 on the hood and sides of the car. And then the nickname he was given by close friends, Little Bastard, painted on the back. Oh, I didn't know that was the name of his car. There you go. Oh, I made you laugh, but now you know why. Okay. So that's a, that's a model what of what it looked like. Yeah. Okay. Now, later, Dean ran into British actor Alec Guinness in Los Angeles. Apparently, Guinness considered himself highly superstitious, and one look at the car had Guinness felt uh, feel a dreadful fear down to his core. He turned to Dean and blatantly told him not to drive it or it would be the death of him. <laughs> that's insanely right? ominous. It's very ominous. Oh, I get chills from that because, yeah. dude, that's he, he crazy. just like felt it in his bones. So even later, uh, Guinness wrote in his diary, the sports car looked sinister to me, exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness. I heard myself saying in a voice I could hardly recognize as my own, Please never get in it. If you get in that car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. That's like the ring. <laughs> One week. Yeah. Exactly. Despite Guinness's warnings, Dean shook them off and did not heed his ominous omen. And I didn't know that was him. That's it's Obi-Wan. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, that's... He used the force. He used the force. <gasps> He's like meant to play Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan predicted James Dean's death? Yep. What? Yep. Dudes, did you guys know this? <laughs> Why am I so... I don't know Isn't anything. Cool? I didn't so know anything like, either. This is so. crazy. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. <gasps> Dean decided to take Little Bastard on his first race in Salinas, California. On September 30th, Dean was to have the Porsche towed behind his 1955 Ford County Squire station wagon while his Porsche mechanic, Rolf Wutherich, drove with him and English stuntman Bill Hickman to follow in his truck and trailer. However, Dean wanted to add some mileage and run the engine a little, so he ended up driving his Porsche to Salinas with Wutherich in the passenger seat. Oh, man. Okay, I have a very, very sick joke. Okay. After the crash, was he like, help me, Obi-Wan, you're no. my only hope. <laughs> but he wasn't Obi-Wan then. I know, but... Uh, <laughs> But that's what was in my head. Good job, Angela. I had to share my Thank sick you, joke. Angela. I am sorry, people. <laughs> this is what goes on in Angela's head. I know. It's a sick place to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here all the time. So, you know, it's cool. Okay. Being the speedster he was, Dean ended up traveling at an unsafe speed and even was pulled over. Uh, the, the, the group was pulled over in Bakersfield and they were issued a speeding ticket. 
But this didn't deter Dean's need for speed. The group reached Route 46, and Dean was driving at around 60 miles per hour. Now, by the way, everyone claims he was driving 85 miles per hour. You're going to find that all over the website if you look this up. But modern computer models by crash scene analysis experts were able to determine he was driving no faster than 60 miles per hour. Wow. So I was like, I'm glad I found that. So it wasn't 85. It's 60. Still pretty fast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When 23-year-old Cal Poly student Donald Turnipseed. Oh, what? I love that name, by the way. Turnipseed. <gasps> oh, my god! Wanted to make a sudden turn onto Route 41 in his Ford Tudor. It is said in this exact area, drivers have a hard time seeing, and there are a lot of accidents that occur. Mm-hmm. And Dean obviously didn't see Turnipseed in, in enough time. Dean tried to swerve last minute, but lost control and crashed into the Ford. Eyewitnesses claim the Porsche cartwheeled into the nearby ditch. Mm. The crash sent the Ford about 40 feet down the road and ejected Wutherich. Dean was transported to the uh, Paso Robles War Memorial Hospital and was dead on arrival due to a broken neck and fractured skull. Mm. Wutherich miraculously survived and so did Turnipseed as he came away with just a few scratches. Wow, that car is mangled. It's very damaged. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, it, okay, so yeah, that's the steering wheel. So that's yeah. the driver's side right there. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Bam. <gasps> I think it's also maybe turned it looks like it's English, right? But Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I like, it, it was... looks like it's twisted. It's yeah. just so. That's mangled. Yeah. Now, despite how terrible the accident was, the inside of the Porsche remained practically intact. Isn't that crazy? So in the engine. engine yeah, the side. engine side. Yeah, because, I mean, it looks like it, they were T-boned. I mean, that the whole side of the Porsche is... Yeah, Porsche. Porsche. <laughs> Porsche. The whole side of the Porsche is just, just smashed yeah. in. Uh, the car and its remnants ended up being auctioned off and purchased by Dr. William Eshrid, part-time racer. Yeah, why would you buy that? Well, Eshrid ended up taking out the Porsche's engine and inserting it into his Lotus 9 while he lent the transmission and suspensions to his surgeon friend, Troy McHenry. Okay, because the engine was fine. They were all fine. Yeah, okay. The two decided to take their newly updated cars out for the Pomona race just a few weeks later. But tragically, both Eshrid and McHenry crashed without any obvious cause. Oh, my gosh. Eshrid survived with minor injuries, but McHenry crashed into the first tree on the track and died instantly. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I fully believe that this car is cursed. <laughs> this car is not good. Dude. I mean, if Alec Guinness like, was like, no, there's some juju about this. Thing. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. This is crazy, Nicole. Right? See? Okay. Now, shortly after, publicity monger and self-proclaimed king of customs, George Barris, purchased the remains of Little Bastard with claims to rebuilding it. By the way, George Barris's works include tricking out the 1949 Mercury Dean, drove in 1955's Rebel Without a Cause, creation of Adam West's Batmobile, the Munster Coach, and many other Hollywood vehicles. Oh, that's cool. So he knows what he's yeah. doing. When his mechanics, though, tried to work on it, they reported to receive inexplicable wounds and cuts. So we know it's it's a damaged car, and they're, but they're mechanics. But they were just getting hurt left and right with, like, no explanation. Dude, the, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's cursed. It's, yeah, see? Oh, oh see? It's angry, it's man. Angry. It is so mad. Sadly. This the, is a death car. It is. 
Sadly, the frame was so beyond repair that he ended up loaning it to the Los Angeles chapter of the National Safety Council, where for around three years, it toured around car shows, cinemas, and bowling alleys. <laughs> it's like, take a look at the car. It's the cursed car. Right? Now, while on display in a show in Sacramento, it mysteriously fell on a bystander where it broke his hip. Dude! Yeah, got That's too close, insane. apparently just fell out of, like, nowhere. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like trying to kill people even though it's not yeah. running. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Okay, then in March of 1959, the spider was held in storage, and suddenly it burst into flames. What? In storage? In storage. And it's not running? It's not turned it's got on? no gas. How did How? it do that? We don't know. <gasps> when the fire was put out, though, they noticed it suffered very little damage. Two melted tires and some singed paint. And thankfully, the fire didn't even spread to the other vehicles in storage. What happened? No idea. At around the time, Barris had just sold a pair of tires from the original Porsche. And while the new driver was out with those tires, they both blew at the exact same time, causing the owner to careen off the road. Holy crap, Nicole. Right? There's so much more than so this much. just being James Dean's death car. Yeah. <gasps> what? It just keeps going. See? This, oh. Cursed. This is, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> anything else this is crazy it's crazy yeah wow now like i i don't i mean i i like this story but yeah because it's very crazy right this is oh wow okay I, I'm, I, I can't say words <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard because it it's insane this is so crazy. bonkers later when the porsche was to be transported to a road safety expo it fell on the driver, George Barkus, and he immediately passed away. Oh, my gosh. Finally, in 1960, Little Bastard was put into a sealed boxcar to be transported from Los Angeles to Miami. The Porsche completely vanished on this trip. Uh-oh. In 2005, a $1 million reward was offered to anyone who had information on the missing cursed vehicle. But to this day, its whereabouts are still unknown. With the exception of the transaxle, it was discovered stored in a crate for 30 years, which was sold by McHenry's widow after he passed. The item was sold at an online auction on May 21st, 2021 and sold for $387,000. It now sits in Zach, Zach Baggins, Baggins yeah, uh, the Haunted <laughs> Museum in Vegas. <laughs> I was like, who would want this? Of course, Zach. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's insane. This is insane. I feel like it's Jumanji board. Jumanji. Right? <laughs> it's like waiting to, mm -hmm. to resurface to claim somebody else. It is evil. But where did it go? I know. I'm, I don't I'm, I'm, I have no someone idea. Someone stole it. Someone had, yeah, somebody had to steal it. it. But like, but I'm why? hoping it's not like causing problems for whoever well of course from. it is yeah of course it's causing maybe problems. they threw it into the sea they're like i don't want this anymore go live with the titanic yeah oh my gosh that's crazy nicole so isn't that fun it, okay. yeah <laughs> i that's a good story i'm scared that the car is just gonna show up on my doorstep one day i'm sure i'm gonna be dreaming about it but like little bastard yep. get out of here it's not even running it's just it's still, still killing people yep. oh my gosh and zach Bagans is insane yeah he's we everyone knows that but yes this, oh to, crazy, to have crazy, that crazy crazy you ready for the next story yes okay you thought that story was crazy 
You ready for some more? Yes. This one was pretty interesting. It's still hard to explain, and I love it. Okay. The Crying Boy. The Crying Boy. Italian painter Bruno Amadio, most known as Giovanni Bragolin, painted a series of portraits of young children crying. It is said he painted these for tourists as a reminder of the orphans that were created from World War II. Mass prints of the painting became popular in England, and it was estimated that about 50,000 were sold just in the UK alone. And this is what it looks like. Ooh, why? Why would you do that? Why? Why? Why make it's those a, paintings? It's an homage, right? No. World War II. No, I know. But like, why do you want to have that? To evoke sadness? I know, but why? I don't know. People, but it was popular. <laughs> People were hanging them up. All right. Then in September of eight, 1985, sorry, 1985, a British tabloid hit stands with the headline Blazing Curse of the Crying Boy. And the news article explained how a mysterious fire broke out in a couple's home of 27 years and that everything burned down except for the painting no of the crying way. boy. Oh, no. Let me rewind a little, That's though. That's insane, Nicole. Yeah. Before this article was published, in the early 80s, Yorkshire fireman Peter Hall had heard from other fire brigades across the north of England that houses would burn down and the only item in the houses that were found intact and untouched was a portrait of the crying boy. Peter's brother Ron called BS on this. To disprove the jinx, Peter went out and bought a copy of the painting. (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> sure enough, Ron and Mary Hall's home in Swallownest, South Yorkshire, went up in flames within <sighs> days of hanging the picture due to a frying pan that caught fire. Dude. When Ron saw the painting removed intact from the charred ruins of his home, he put his foot through it. Uh, yeah. Why? Just don't tempt fate, people. Why do we tempt fate so much? Because they think it much? doesn't happen and it's not going to happen to them. Yeah, like, this is stupid. It's not going to happen to me. No, just, no. no, Don't even touch it. Now, the speculation, which I'm sure everyone listening, though, of uh, of it is all the prints of Bragolin's paintings are most likely covered or made from a flame retardant varnish. True. Most likely, that's the reason. You can even see a YouTube video, which I'm about to play for Angela, where Punt P.I. sets the painting on fire to test the curse. Doesn't even touch him. It goes out. The fire goes out. Yeah, the fire goes out. It burns just like the corner where the boy is not painted. It goes up along his face line, but doesn't go over to his face. But also the picture's not centered in the fire. True. So like the fire is set to burn the corner of of the painting. True, but it should catch everything on fire like a normal painting does. Right. Anyway, uh, but I mean, it is it is weird. It's weird. It is weird and definitely worth noting. Yeah. Now, after that article was published in 1985, so many people came forward and claimed the painting caused the death of family members. No. How? Some people claimed to have tried to burn their paintings after reading the article, but it failed to catch fire. Firefighter Alan Wilkinson tried to calm the masses and say these Fires were not supernatural events, not a curse, but people are careless. However, he then went on to say there were more than 50 crying boy fires since 1973. No way. Here are just a few. That's in... Oh, <laughs> this is crazy. Right? 
to, yes, I don't, don't hang pictures of crying people. Well, they didn't realize this until everybody started having their fires in their houses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dora Brand of Mitchum, Surrey purchased a crying boy painting and within six weeks, her home went up in flames. Ugh. Brand had hundreds of paintings that were reduced to ashes, but the crying boy remained intact. No. In the early 1980s, Jane McCutcheon, mother of two, hung her print in the living room. She was cleaning her kitchen one day to find that her handmade drapes, blinds, and curtains were suddenly on fire. The family escaped the home okay, but the home was destroyed, except for the crying boy painting. She said, you could still see the little boy's face on the painting. And later she heard a firefighter who saw the painting say, oh no, not another. <laughs> she quickly threw it away. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's crazy, yeah, right? It's crazy. And it, how we don't know how her, how everything caught fire. It just, it just suddenly caught fire. Spontaneous combustion. What? Yeah, no one, no one said about <gasps> that one. In Kilbourne, Sandra Kraske, as well as her sister, mother, and a friend, all bought a copy of the Crying Boy. Each one of them suffered fires after purchasing mm -hmm. the paintings. October twenty first, nineteen eighty five, the Perio Pizza Palace in Great Yarmouth. Uh, Norfolk hung the crying boy picture and soon after the restaurant was gutted by fire, but the crying boy was in pristine condition. Oh man! Only three days later, the Godper family in Herringthorpe, South Yorkshire lost their home to an unexplained fire. And even though all the pictures of their wall were burnt to ash, the crying boy in the middle of the wall remained unmarked. That is Nuts. Then the next day, October 25th, <laughs> 1985, the Amos family in Heswopel, Mer Merseyside, yeah, purchased two paintings, hanging them in their living and dining rooms. A gas explosion destroyed the entire building, but the two paintings were intact. Dude, dude. Less than a day after the Amos gas explosion, former firefighter Fred Trower of Telford, Shropshire's home caught fire with the painting inside. Surely a former firefighter would fireproof their home and not make careless mistakes, right? A what, former firefighter. Like what gets me about this is that this is not just like one object. No. It is just, it, it's, it's a copy. It's a copy. It's just the subject matter that, it, that's so crazy. Weird, right? Yeah. D don't no. hang crying people. Don't, don't get a crying don't boy. Don't <laughs> hang crying children's yeah. pictures in your, I mean. Well, the specific one. The specific one. Yeah. yeah. Don't hang it up. Don't get <gasps> it. Don't do it. Don't do it. In November of 1985, a woman from Leeds decided to destroy her picture of the crying boy after receiving word of the curse. But then she was convinced that because she destroyed it, it caused the deaths of her husband and three sons from a fire. Oh, no. Then Mrs. Woodward of Forest Hill, London, destroyed her crying boy picture, but believed because she did this, uh, her act was the cause of her son, daughter, husband, and mother's deaths in all separate fire-related incidents. Oh, my gosh. All so it's people. either you sacrifice your house and hopefully nobody else in it, or you you, you destroy, destroy the, the painting, painting and everybody you love dies of in a fire. fire in a fire i don't like this one this is crazy Bonkers again right yeah same month malcolm vaughn from Glou gloucester assisted his neighbor to burn a crying boy photo somehow this one did catch fire but upon returning to his own home he found his entire living room in flames with no explanation and how it was started leaving the firefighters perplexed dude 
this is crazy. I don't understand this. Like my brain is literally exploding right now. (laughs) In December of 1985, 67-year-old William Armitage perished in a mysterious fire that burnt his whole house down in Weston Supermare, Avon. They found the pristine copy of his crying boy painting lying beside Armitage's charred body. Mm -hmm. One of the firemen that was on the scene was quoted saying, I've never believed in the jinx up until now, but when you actually come across a picture in a gutted room and it's literally the only thing that hasn't been touched, it is most odd. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's most odd. This, who, oh, whoever decided to paint this was evil and they something like happened. spread some bad juju. Into it. Yeah. Oh, sold this his soul to the devil or something to do it to get it's some crazy. Yeah, I don't know. He just wanted, he wanted some money, money off of the baby. Oh man. Once the Sun newspaper caught wind of all the fires and the crying boy incidents, they posted an all call to bring the crying boy photo to the newspaper and they would destroy them in an organized mass bonfires. And hundreds upon hundreds were brought in. She's all happy about it. I know. Okay. So what I'm laughing at first is that she has a chin strap on under her hat, but it looks like it's a beard because it's a black (laughs) and white photo. (laughs) And I was like, oh, she has a beard. That's okay. That's natural. (laughs) But yeah, there's a big bonfire of crying Crying boys. And a lot of them are not on fire right now, but they're also at the bottom of the bonfire. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like that's tempting fate. You're going to have like the whole city's going to burn down <laughs> because or it's just a lot of related. people are going to die because yeah. if you destroy your crying boy before Supposedly. it destroys your house, you're supposed to die. Yeah. yeah. I don't oh, know. no. But here's the, the article that they used about it. So send them to us. Yeah. We have no logical answer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But see, they did burn. So why not in all those homes? So that's what's so mysterious about this. If they burned in a bonfire, why wouldn't they burn in everybody's home? Because they're cursed. Because they're cursed. Yeah. This, oh, wow. That, this one's so broke my brain. Yep. It's crazy because it's not a singular object. There's multiple. Yes. Of these crying boys and the same thing happens to everybody that has them. And this is, it needs to be a movie. It feels like it's a movie. It should be. That's a good point. The crying boy. Okay. Lastly, note from the EMOU website. In Northern England, it is officially forbidden to hang the crying boy in your home. I don't know how people actually regulate that, but isn't that crazy that their fear was so big about it that they're like, no more. Yeah. No more. Yeah. Don't buy this painting. Don't hang it crazy right very crazy i got one more okay this is insane okay okay and i know this was from back then but the oddities of this it's it's crazy okay this is called the conjured chest the conjured chest okay all right it looks like a normal piece of furniture but i know it is not <laughs> so <laughs> okay we have a cursed item that has claimed 15 souls and harmed and ruined three others, which resulted in its donation to the Kentucky Historical Society in hopes to stop the body count. The item, as I said, is called the conjured chest. Now, the start to this cursed chest was first described in a letter from Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland, 1894 to 1954, to her daughter, Virginia Carey Hudson, Maine, 1916 to 1989. The story was passed down from Cleveland's grandmother, Eliza, when Virginia was just a small child. 
1830, Meade County, Kentucky, a beautiful chest was hand-carved by an enslaved man named Remus. He was making it under the orders of his master, Jeremiah Graham, in preparation for his firstborn. Graham was known to be a very cruel slave owner and punished them to the point of torture. Mm. When the finished chest was presented to Jeremiah, he got pissed because he didn't think it was good enough for his baby and family. Jeremiah turned on Remus and beat him so badly that Remus passed away from his injuries. Oh my gosh. The other enslaved African-Americans were so upset by this that they wanted to avenge Remus's death. Among them was a conjure man, someone who practiced spells and curses in his homeland and now in America. They were able to attain the chest and sprinkled dried owl blood inside the drawers while chanting over the chest, casting a sinister curse on the Graham family members. Jeremiah unsuspectedly moved the chest into the baby's nursery. Mm. But strangely, any time someone placed their clothing into the chest, mysterious deaths were to follow that specific owner or their loved one. The first victim, sadly, was Jeremiah's infant child. Mm. Jeremiah's twin brother, Jonathan, had an older son, and they ended up placing his clothing into the chest. On the exact day he turned 21 years old, his body servant stabbed the boy, too. Then Amanda Winchell Winchell Graham, sister-in-law to Jeremiah and Jonathan, their brother Moses was married to her, Mm -hmm. took the chest and threw it in um, in their attic. Next, it's not detailed, but I'm guessing Catherine Winchell must have been the sister or cousin of Amanda Winchell Graham. Catherine ended up eloping with Irish immigrant John Ryan, and Amanda told them they could live on the land that they was owned by the Grahams. So Amanda also gave the cursed chest to them for mm. both to use. The two happily settled down, but realized that farm life was harder than they thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah <you> know. <laughs> yep. They were super poor and soon Catherine fell ill. John Ryan made up his mind at that point to travel to New Orleans and find work. On his way there, John was killed in an accident. Mm. And then Catherine Winchell Ryan passed. Poor. The next one, I believe, also had her clothing stored in the cursed chest. Louise Gregory, daughter to Eliza Ryan, guessing the relative of John Ryan. So Mm -hmm. we should make a big family tree here. Right. Um, And John David Gregory died at the age of 10. Eliza Ryan and John David Gregory also had a son, Ernest Gregory, and he married a woman named Stella Stonecipher in 1895. After the ceremony, Stella stored her wedding clothes inside the chest. Stella passed away two years after the wedding. Mm. Six. Then a relative of the Gregory family, Mabel Louise Whitehead, was invited to live with Eliza and John David Gregory in 1884. Wilbur Harlan asked Mabel to marry him, and she agreed, and they were hitched in 1897. Four years later, Mabel and Wilbur had a little baby boy named Chester, and yes, his clothing went into the chest. No. Woefully, little baby Chester passed away at only two weeks old. Next, Wilbur Harlan, the husband of Mabel, decided to put his clothes in the chest. He died in 1905. Remember, it <laughs> just keeps going. What? Remember John David Gregory? He had a nephew named Emmett. His mother, Lucy B. Gregory, sister of, I know there's so many names, sorry guys, sister of John David Gregory, thought to hide Emmett's Christmas presents, which were knitted gloves and a scarf. Oh no. Inside the chest. At that time, Emmett worked for the railroad. 
Then late one evening in December 1909, Emmett was departing the train when he fell 30 feet straight down through a trestle. Oh, Number no. Number nine. Now, Eliza and John David Gregory had a daughter named Nellie. She ended up marrying Fred Fraze in August of 1905, and Nellie placed her wedding clothes in the chest. Here, the cycle breaks a little because Nellie didn't die, but it is believed Fred left her. So not 100%. He passed away soon after, but that's what's listed for victim 10. Okay. Okay. John David Gregory passed in 1908, so Eliza, his widow, rearranged the home and moved the chest into her bedroom. And you know the drill. Eliza committed suicide on April 4th, 1915. Hmm. Afterwards, the chest was moved to Louisville with Eliza and John David Gregory's granddaughter, Virginia Carey Hudson Cleveland. That was the... Right, 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 right. Yes. And her husband, Curtly Cleveland. She was pregnant, and she put all the baby-to-be's clothes in the chest. (gasps) No! Baby was born on August 8th, 1915, but prematurely, and it passed away. Later, I know, Virginia and Curtly went on to have two daughters, and the second was named Anne Carrie Cleveland. Now, another cycle that we can't really count as a death, but Anne's clothing was placed in its chest, and she came down with polio in 1929. Mm. She did recover, but she suffered with related symptoms the rest Rest of her her life. life. Yeah. So she got kind of damaged there. Right. The oldest daughter, Virginia Hudson Cleveland, placed her wedding clothes into the chest after she was married to Wilbur Brister in 1943. But then December 1944, Wilbur was in immense pain and had to be rushed to the hospital as they realized he needed an appendectomy. But then he passed away December 9th, 1944, not from a ruptured appendix, but from an overdose of ether. Oh, my gosh. Number 14. That's crazy. When Virginia and Curtly's neighbor, Herbert H. Sonny Moore Jr., threw his hunting clothes in the chest, Moore was killed in a gun accident at a neighbor's uh-huh. home on April 5th, 1946. Number I, I feel like these stories would have gone along with the chest. And right? like, people like, would have been like, don't, don't put, put your, your stuff clothes. in there. But they weren't they weren't connecting the dots, apparently. Connect the dots. (laughs) (laughs) Then Virginia and Curtly's son Richard placed his clothes into the chest. Less than a week later, there was an incident at school and he was stabbed through (gasps) the hand. No. So he didn't die. He didn't die, but still, that's crazy. He got hurt real bad. Virginia finally caught on to the pattern of misery with the conjured chest. And Thank the Lord. My goodness. Yeah. She didn't want anyone else to be hurt or die. Virginia had a maid named Sally who worked for her most her life. And she asked if she knew anything about breaking a conjure or curse and told her what has happened in the family. Sally agreed to help and told her she needed a dead owl brought unasked by a friend. Then she would need to gather leaves of a willow tree planted by a friend and boil them for one day while the owl watched. Next, (laughs) I know. Okay. She needed to pour the liquid into a jug and bury it with the handle facing east under a flowering bush. Hmm. There were major consequences to the ritual, though. If it was done correctly, either Virginia or Sally would die before all the leaves fell off the flowering bush in the fall. They were able to complete the ritual, and in doing so, Sally died the (gasps) following September. No, Sally. 
She knew what she was doing. Oh. Apparently to this day, there are owl feathers still in the top drawer to ensure the curse does not return to the chest. The catalog number of the chest at the Kentucky Historical Society is 1980.20.1. And the chest is not on display for the public. Okay. Well, good. And I mentioned 18 victims. So Sally was 17. We count kind of. Uh Remus is actually considered the first to perish because he was the one who created the chest. So there you go. Wow. That's the conjured chest. I feel like I've said crazy a lot. That needs to be the take a stitch word for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot. Crazy. That's insane. New word. Insane. Insane. Wow. It's It's a beautiful chest. Don't, if you have somebody make a chest don't be evil and mean to them just right? don't be evil and mean it just in you general them over this no that crazy it's beautiful i don't know i mean it's beautiful look i love the grain of the wood it's ah yeah. uh, and then i feel like people would catch on sooner than what they did i mean that chest went around the block for it like everywhere years maybe they did know because it was kind of like in the family then it kind of went out of the family a little bit to but what people. was interesting was like people kept putting their wedding clothes in there like let's yes. get married and then we'll put and we'll i put feel like clothes in. yeah after the first time that that happened they'd be like oh it's let's don't do it's, that um yeah it's a bad uh bad not curse but bad I mean, they may say curse, bad but luck. bad luck. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's bad luck to put your wedding clothes because there's so many superstitions Seriously. around weddings, you know, penny right? in your shoe and blue. wear blue yep. and old new. Yeah. So I know, not this. They're like, oh, let's just throw it in this chest that's killing everybody. <laughs> like what a beautiful chest. That's probably what they were thinking. Yeah. Look how pretty it's this so is. It's so gorgeous. It deserves to have my wedding clothes. No. Yeah. Or baby clothes. Oh, that that's the one that kills me is all the baby all the stuff. All the babies. Mm-hmm. So isn't that interesting? So now what do you think? What do you think about cursed objects? Well, I, the ones that you chose were, were so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the, the first one with the rock, I mean, they're, the people, they're just <laughs> they dumb. They did that to themselves. <laughs> they, they, they did that to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the little bastard one, that one was the most crazy to me. I'm like, that is a death car. Death car. It, and it's possessed. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's Obi-Wan that like... <laughs> figured that out yep that's crazy and then the crying boy that i just uh i don't understand that one that one was just made by the devil i mean these objects are they're cursed yeah they're cursed (laughs) they have to be i believe in curses guys wow so so that we'll was probably it. do another like round two because there are a lot of other objects out there. These were the ones that stood out to me, obviously, but um, there's some other ones that I should touch up on that. Yeah. Um, some again, like, oh, it's cause natural causes, but some of them are like, really? I don't think so. So yeah, that's so it's so diverse. And yeah. so, wow, that was good story time. Yay! Good story time. If you guys like story time, tell us. We want to hear from you. You can email us at theominousstitch at gmail.com. You can also jump over to any of our social medias. We are on all of the things. Drop us a line. Send us a slip. Uh, what is it? Slide into our DMs. Is that is that the word? <laughs> Don't slide into our DMs. That just sounds sleazy. I don't know. Just, just I'm, I'm trying to be. Us. I'm trying to be hip with, with all the terminology. No, send us a message. Drop us a line. Jump on any of our socials. Email us, or you can go over to Podbean.com if you really want to connect with us and become a patron today. Woo-hoo. 
So you can always go to Podbean and look up any of the show notes from this show or any other show, or you can click on that special little button that we always talk about to become a patron. If you're on your phone, it's a little red dot. If you are on your computer, it's in your upper right-hand corner. We love our patrons. If you want to become a patron, we will send you stuff. We will send you shout outs. We will, there are special patron episodes that you guys can listen to. We have another one in the pipes that's going to be coming along soon. And it's just another way for us to connect to you. And it's also a way for us to continue this podcast for you guys. So if you want more of us, become a patron today. Wow. Okay. So we have one more thing to do. That's right. So let's dive into movie time. This week's movie review, Drag Me to Hell, (laughs) released in 2009. IMBD rating of 6.6 stars and synopsis. A lone officer who evicts an old woman from her home finds herself the recipient of a supernatural curse. Desperate, she turns to a seer to try and save her soul, while evil forces work to push her to a breaking point. (laughs) It's like, that's a breathing point. Okay, you guys know, this is... This is a Sam Raimi work. Okay. Did yeah. you ever watch Evil Dead? Yeah, that's the whole. I love it because it's so gross and it's funny, so funny and just like, but creepy and funny and scary and ah, oh, I love this. It's movie. grotesque. It's over the top. It's so over the top. Yeah, and it's hilarious when they fight. Like she's like fighting dead things. And like- yeah, it's very over the top and very funny. Yes, and it's I love I love horror movies that have a sense of humor about themselves. They have that level of like self-awareness. Like, yeah, we know that this is, we're asking you to reach. (laughs) We're asking you to suspend a lot of, yeah, Yeah, it was fun. I I had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. I had to like turn away during a lot of the gross things. Cause I was like, oh my (laughs) God. they throw up in her mouth? Like, (laughs) yeah, so gross. (laughs) I couldn't believe she did stuff like that. So it's a really fun movie, but. It's still so like captivating to watch as in a horror sense. Yeah. Because of like, it's cursed. It's a cursed and like. It's cursed. The and then the whole twist at the end is really. Right. Yeah. And I remember that too, because I've seen this a long time ago and I was like, oh, it happens this way. But then I was wrong and I was like, oh, okay, never mind. It's, it's cool. It's like you kind of sense that something's not right with the ending. Because the the happy ending, because yes. you get the happy ending yeah. at the end, it continues. And you're like, why is so this going? So when the happy ending goes past what you think the happy ending should yes, wrap stop. up and like, yeah. you know, it should be a couple minutes, put a little bow on it, you're right. done. Right. And then it just kept going. going. I'm like, uh-oh, there's too many good things that are yes. happening to her in this moment. Right. <laughs> She but gets the promotion so because she's like she was trying to make a decision based on like everybody coming at her, you know. Yeah. Poor girl. Like I know. Poor girl in the worst time, worst situations ever. It yeah. should never happen to her, but No. It did. And I think that's why it's so fun yes. is because like they really pushed the the innocence of her mm-hmm. on us and then they push the envelope of it and it's like okay yeah she, it really was her decision despite what yes. a good person she True. is yeah but I think that just makes it more kind of tongue-in-cheek yeah and um so it it was fun it was a fun watch good acting yeah good acting good Justin Long yeah. love Justin Long 
good special effects yeah the 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 house in pasadena yes is amazing gorgeous yeah i love that set part yeah. yeah oh this was a really fun movie it was very fun if you haven't seen drag me to hell watch it it's yeah. really funny it's, it's, it's fun and it was funny i wanted her to watch it before it left hbo or max at mm-hmm. one point and i was like oh it's going away and then we didn't get to and then it just moved to netflix so. yeah it just <laughs> just switched streaming just services. Around, yeah. yeah um can you stitch to it yeah, I did. You did? Yeah. I yeah. did too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made my trivet. <laughs> <laughs> I could stitch, but then I had to like I, watch I would, some of it. Yeah. So I would look down when it got too gross. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. There you go. You can do something while you're doing it if you don't want to watch those gross parts. Oh, the eyeball and the harvest cake oh, and the, the fly the going in her mouth. Oh, and ew. <laughs> so gross, but so good. Oh, I loved it. Well, how many <laughs> stitches would you give it? Oh, uh, it was fun. I'm going to say it's like a seven. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'd say seven and a half. Yeah. Because it's not like straight horror. Yeah. But it's so good in other ways. I loved it. Sam Raimi. He did yeah. a really good job on this yeah. one. Yeah. It was very fun. Yeah. So I, I would recommend it. Go watch it. Yeah. It's fun. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Good movie. Well, that's it for today's episode. How fun. This was such an insane, crazy, crazy take a stitch. That's the word. It's not awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. Bonkers. 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 Yeah. Oh, man. This episode is going to have like mess with my mind for a while. You're going to be looking at objects a different way, right? Like, no, I don't want this cursed object. Leave me alone. Yeah. Maybe it's not the power of suggestion. Maybe it really is cursed. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, All right. So I guess that's it. So until next time, we'll see you, Stitchers. See you, Stitchers. (laughs) 